Hi and welcome to the Galactic Zoo radio show and podcast with me, your host, Mr. Tony Morezi, broadcasting live here from my shed at the end of my garden somewhere in North London. Secret location, of course. I don't want you storming my uh, Bastille and nicking my baked beans when the right time comes. But here I am. Um, it's uh, Friday night. Normally, maybe maybe out, out having a pint or a glass of wine or gigging or something. But no, tonight I'm at home here chatting to an amazing man, Mr. Craig Campbell, international comedian, storyteller, truth seeker, bullshit rejecter, all-round honest human being, and um, good egg, as they say in certain parts of the UK. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show Mr. Craig Campbell. Craig! Thanks. I'm I'm a blush. I'm all uh, I'm a gog. I uh, what a what a glowing introduction. Thank you very much for that, Tony. That's so nice. It's nice to hear your voice because um, I haven't spoken to you for ages. A eh? haven't seen you um, since I think you came round here. It would have been nice to have done yeah. it in per, per in person, but um, this is the next best thing. Just to, you know, to hear your dulcet, wonderful, charming <laughs> tones um, is a good. Nice. It's, it's uplifting well, in itself. I've been looking forward to catching up also, and I was just lamenting before um, be- before uh, we spoke here that um, that I was thinking even when I come to your place, I don't end up seeing you. No, well, this is, you get, but this is because you chat to everybody, which is a wonderful thing and an amazing yeah. talent and, um, and yeah. very helpful. Well, likewise, you're a spectacular host and you attract such varied and wonderful people that it's very hard not to get lost in their uh, their stories also it's just uh, you're a, you're a real hive of um, of uh, enjoyable atmosphere and activity and that's be- that's before your family comes into it so no, no wonder that. we don't talk when i'm there what a <laughs> yeah. pleasure it's crazy that you did when last time you did come in we had that gathering and uh, and i said about three sentences to you but you was like entered, you, you was holding court. You was holding court for it with about twenty people in the garden for about two hours. Uh, that was so fun. Yeah, that was uh, that was vape talk. I think the majority. Of, I think <laughs> I think I was given a vape sermon for some reason, Tony, and I I don't know how solicited it was, but um, but they uh, they got it regardless. They they seemed very. Um, I I can. Um, I can weatherboard people sometimes. They can be they can be battered into submission of enjoying one of my stories sometimes, especially as you know in that instance where there's a um a, a appreciable blaze on the go. You know, it creates just course, that right of atmosphere of tension. <laughs> Jesus, we could we could all by this guy's words we could be ablaze in, in a few minutes here Jeez, I, I didn't realize the world was that intense a place uh, just just before they get in a mini cap to go to you know wherever they were at it oh my goodness that well, was you know, you've night. definitely got another fan in my eldest boy who was enjoying watching the... boy, who similarly Tony I don't get a chance to speak to him either we just like uh, <laughs> we like high five each he gives me a noogie on the way through the party and then and then I don't see him again probably until the end of the night like uh, like you were describing and just uh, yeah it's a, it's a funny thing that um, I think you probably do it as well where you just really start to cherish like I think uh, the last time I had a similar thought in my head uh, uh, parallel to this we were just randomly, as you do, you know, making an awkward dog leg to go through green lanes to get a hold of some takeaway, uh, you know, uh, um, but 
we'll just call it what it is, Kurdish food, Tim. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Beat around the damn bush here. <laughs> this ain't no PC hour. Yeah, so, um, so uh, you know, we were cutting through, and then it, I was just reminded of that uh, day in the sunshine that we had where I had also um, just brought absolutely absolutely zero for the children when we went to the park. I just have that, you know, I don't know what it is that new dad that, you know, we can just shit in the in the glove box and there will be some <laughs> tissue in here somewhere or some kids gone you know, eat cardboard until we find something else and, and then just that realization when we were going out in your van I was like, oh my goodness, we're like out for a while and, and then it was just so, um, you know nice to have that day in the sun with that particularly and i i kept thinking i still continue thinking to uh, a really short conversation that i had with that german friend of yours oh, who was that let me think yeah male or female some... male and and um yeah it was just one of those like real kind of like like that entire day was just little vignettes of of enjoyable moments with um you know like-minded people or strangers and and um and then just you know as i'm saying when we were in the kurdish the other night i just thought like you know you think that you're gonna have a day like that with you or with your friends you know, uh, twice a year, maybe, if you're thinking generously, or like, you know, at least another time, am I crazy? You know, like, and then you just realize how precious life is, that, you know, the moments that you have with people are um, are more and more finite, as you and I know, you know, as we as we get older, and you just have to more appreciate that, you know, to, uh, times change, people change, seasons change, all the songs you've ever heard are true. And uh, and you just have to like more appreciate the the moments that you've had because they're so fleeting. Do you do you think do you think that's something that um has has hit home harder now since like two year two and a half years of COVID, lots of shit happening in the world, lots of you know um, uncovering of darkness. Do you think that kind of living in the moment, appreciating what one has, has kind of grown stronger within yourself? I don't know if I don't know if the most recent you know pressure cooker has has amplified it. Maybe, maybe I, but I don't want to come across because it's definitely not like a resignation that we just oh we never have good times anymore. Like you know you and I are having a great time right now. I'm really like enjoying once again catching up as I knew I would. But um, but it's more a matter of uh, you you know regardless of what you're reflecting off of i.e the last 24 months that that you know i could say the same analogies of of like kiwi raft guides that i met in alberta in like 89 you know 88 you know uh roommates that i had you know Australian guys, I don't know, you know, where they are in the world, even, you know, 10 minutes after we saw them, Tim, but like, you know, these uh, two English guys that I was on a, uh, a week long sailboat cruise with a crazy French captain and his family between Penang and Krabi, Thailand. And, you know, I, I hung out with one of them at the backyard comedy club about maybe 10 years after we got back from, from that trip. And it was just, you know, like that moment of like, Holy wow. You know, like 
nice to see you again. How crazy is this? And, uh, and then just, you know, not seeing them again. I had uh, another one, uh, a fella that, um, was a, a group of two dudes that I hung out with in Hawaii in about 95, 96 that were just totally, Tim, they were just awesome guys. And we were, we had like a, you know, a wild kind of month together in a little posse of other kind of like-minded, awesome, you know, mushroom heads and hippies of all types and just totally decent traveler types. And, you know, no, uh, no, no, recriminations and conflicts and you know except the conflicts that you had that steeled you and refined you as a group you know the uh, the guy i'm thinking of got in touch at one point through an old agent in london and got an email through and and you just think you know there's all these people in the universe all these you know the the lives that you touch and you're um you know, the likelihood is you're never going to see the past infinitesimally huge number of them ever again, Tim. How crazy is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is crazy. Regardless of the chronology of it, really, is my point. You know, it's just like as far back as you go, it's just like snapshots. And and it is, you know, it's also crazy when you think like how, how infinitesimally finite those relationships are tenuously finite those relationships are but you also like you know realize idiosyncratically that some really crazily unique stuff has happened to you in terms of like for myself i'm thinking tony like pop culture wise i've got you know just one of those it's just a bit you know crazy in terms of how pop culture works and what era we're in but just from like even in early, early comedy days, bumping shoulders with Jim Carrey, you know, like having personal interaction with an icon of the industry, regardless of what's happened with Lolita Express recently or, you know, where things have gone since then. And I've, uh, you know, I've heard other stories that maybe don't put him on the same pedestal that I used to in terms of, you know, that's a curiosity of our world is having that relationship with sort of that echelon of comedian in that era people like um uh the uh, uh the the fellow from ottawa who just passed away is the reason that i had some inside juice on jim carrey's goings on but regardless of whether or not it's these little you know tidbits it's i i thought the other day i've, I've met pamela anderson twice you know you just have that kind of like what's what's going on in a guy's she's life a, she's a good she's pamela a good egg anderson. isn't she pamela anderson's a good egg she's a big yeah, supporter the, the of julian time... assange isn't she totally yeah the two times that i interacted with her like intimately and and uh candidly she just came across as like what i would like to think uh 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 who's the um who's the big titted uh uh country singer tammy tammy winnett no, Dolly no, Parton. I, I, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Yeah, like like that kind of gushing Southern. Although I know like exactly where where Pamela Anderson or Pammy is from, so I know that she's not that like Southern belle. But she definitely has that that sincerity. That she actually, now that I think about it, of course, she hyper typifies what you might, in the most glowing connotation, think of a Canadian just small town girl stereotype, and that's exactly what she is. Just like a really, you know, huge-hearted girl in a just a, a, a maelstrom of hellscape, you know, yeah, of yeah. a life. 
she and she, she has always... got a good soul. She comes across as, you know, she plays that character. She's got that kind of archetype, big, you know, big-breasted, gorgeous lady on the beach. Obviously, it's a load of nonsense TV, but it pays the bills. Mm. And uh, but you know, but in real life, in like the you know, in outside of the Matrix, you could say she's kind of a, a kind-hearted, sentient soul. To, and and just in terms of like, I'm even thinking now, Tim. I'm giggling at at my own you know snapshots as I'm listening to it and enjoying your voice. The realization that the the only ways, like I'm I'm thinking from the point of view of a listener, thinking the era of Pamela Anderson, sort of you know my age, her meteoric rise to fame, and then essentially her like untouchability as a as an A list celebrity Hollywood. That like how could I interact with her and how I was able to was because I knew a uh, uh, bartender in one of the early clubs that was like one of my first clubs to work in I knew the bartender really well as we all did just young comics that you know obviously young bartenders do and you know I knew the waitresses similarly and it was just like a really enjoyable time a genesis of upcoming with you know your little your little crew of, of uh, like experienced people and uh, um, and he was like high school sweetheart of hers and lived with her at the time as he was bartending in the club in Vancouver. Wow. And, uh, and, and experienced the genesis of her, like just basically coming and saying, Hey, um, you know, I've done this, this uh, beer commercial and uh, they, they want to see me down South. And, you know, that kind of moved one thing to another. So it was a quick little like, you know, vignette in a, in a, a small town Canadian sense of, of, uh, of success to then just like get grabbed by Hollywood. And then it wasn't, I don't know, geez, Tony, I don't know if it was six months or eight months or a year later, but it was just sort of like, she's, you know, comes back on another, another flight for the weekend. And she says, um, I, I think I'm gonna have to live with Tommy Lee. <laughs> and 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 uh, make a sex and, tape. And and and, and uh, you know, incredibly, and again, the reason why, like, I had a calling card for a short period of time to interact with her is because, um, because you know, my dude buddy was just like, yeah, you know, totally, like, enjoy you know, your new world and, and I'll always be your friend. And so they, you know, remained amicable for, you know, to my knowledge to this day, which is an incredible thing about it because I could get, this is now back Tony, I'm talking uh, kind of late 1990s to early 2000s. Well, that's a, t- that's um, a while ago. That's 20 years, isn't it? 20, over 20 yeah, years. yeah. So, but it also like gives indication of like what level that Pammy was at because now we're in like New Orleans at a thing called the Nat P Convention, and there's like you know it's like kids waiting to see Mickey. You know, they're just like out the door and past the gumbo shop and up Bourbon Street and around the corners is like everybody wants to sign some tits or at least get near them. You know, and <laughs> uh, and I was able in that that kind of atmosphere to get to the front of the queue, just sort of stick my nose in and try and like, basically as I'm sure you're a pro at as well, just um, acting furtively enough for long enough that you gain the attention of at least one of the security personnel. Oh, and sure. then yeah, try yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Try and, you know, um, Absolutely engaged from that point, and you're rolling the die now, you know. But um, but talking of uh, Canadians, I, I bumped into Wade twice in two days. Oh um, yeah, yes, yeah, so, and also our Canadian friend 
who's married to an English, another, well, they're a couple, she's Canadian. I've told you my friends who've been over in Mexico to avoid the kind of the oh, pandemic yes. UK style of lockdown. Yes. Uh, they've been over. So I've been surrounded by Canadians lately. They've been like, hey, Tony, hey, Tony. So um, um, I've been, yeah, Wade, I've seen Wade. I've seen my um, uh, another friend of mine who's just back from Mexico. So I kind of like it in Canada moment at the moment as well. Now I'm chatting to you. I feel like yes, I'm so surrounded by Canadians. And my first experience of Canadians was a great experience, actually. I went over to Cuba on holiday for a week. Um, and I knew a couple I knew a couple of, of Canadians, but I'd never really interacted with any. And it was full of Canadians. You've never seen an infestation of Canadians. Man, before. it was full of Canadians. And I could and I drank sure. then and I and I could drink well yeah. then as well. And I could drink yeah. beer all night. And um and, and I met <laughs> this group to. of I met, I met this group of Canadian guys, maybe about ten of them. And they kind of yeah. they took me into the bosom of their kind of the heart of their group, mm-hmm. and and I was entertained. I was I became their, their their English entertainer friend. Wonderful. And um and every gone. night yeah, every night gone. my wife would be going to bed again. You coming to bed? I'd be like just gonna have a couple <laughs> of beers with these guys, <laughs> and it would be like eight in the morning, and wonderful <laughs> rocking up to the hotel uh, bedroom going. Sorry, I just had a couple more than I thought, and. You know, just one thing led to another. We was having a great time. And it was just guys talking and drinking, and it was totally. a really well, good just fun. Funny, it's just funny that that culture, on a really, really you know deep and wide level, just exists. I consider it almost. In hearing you speak about it, Tony, I just thought like that's just a gear. Because even like right now, I I don't. It's been a while since I've really tried. I was about to use that term as though it's possible, Tony, to excess. You know, like, yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, but um, but I just, you know, whether it's people speak of the, you know, the the Celtic type of gene, you know, the um, the Irish uh, capability, the you know, processing alcohol. I don't know if you like <laughs> yeah, look into know, that yeah. at all, or yeah, that, but because there's certainly, you know, there's something to um that, well not that there's something to it but that we've all seen it people who are able to just process alcohol on a completely different level to you know to another for example but i would say that like across the board in canada there's just a gear that a lot of people can go into and i know that i have it i just know that like whether i've been drinking for a long time because i also know the contrast only if i haven't been smoking weed for a long long time but then i do that can be like a drop of acid. Yeah, it can be yeah, that, totally, you know, man. That can be crazy. But I just find sometimes with alcohol, I don't know what your sort of like drunk uh, profile graph, you know, is with alcohol, but I kind of have like, <laughs> I have like a steep front, you know, where I just kind of like, where I start to like ride. I'm even thinking right now I was... Uh, my mind projected to standing in your like carport actually <laughs> like when one of those one of those like racing moments i think actually now that i'm thinking of it tony it's become a habit because of of drinking early but then not drinking so that i can drive in yeah, fact yeah 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 well for, so, for, for, so for, drink, for many years my drinker's profile is, is well, curious well, yeah thinking of a drinker's profile i, I abuse drink badly i would say for quite quite a few years not in a, in, in a yeah. way that i was abusive to other people or my character mm-hmm. my, my character character would change dramatically but in the respect that you know i just go too far just drink too much 
you know, and, and I'd be fine with it. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd be a jolly drunk. I'm a happy drunk. But you know, yeah. watching sporting events or just being at home drinking a bottle and a half of wine, I drank too much alcohol too often for too long. Now I haven't wow. drank. I, I now I haven't drank for two and a half years. If, if I have anything, wow. now, and I, I mean, and I still love alcohol. I'm not gonna deny it but for two and a half years i've kind of not let it pass my lips and the same with weed wow. I've, yeah for many years of smoking weed like decades of smoking weed of like you know and, yeah. and enjoying yeah. it and being a cons- yeah. connoisseur of it and and, and Bong on the coffee table oh man you know like but, <laughs> it, but i feel that like i've had my time with 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 a lot of that i've done that i don't need to yeah. keep repeating the same i don't need the groundhog day moment anymore with, with either of those me, substances. I, I, let, let me interrupt him. You remind me of like a uh, a 22-year-old Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like, yeah, it's too much. You know, I've, I've had so much weed. I don't need to know what it's like anymore. You know, I had uh, a buddy who was probably about 22 from uh, from um, Utrecht that was like that. When I, I, I recall, um, I was still like utterly agog when we would walk past... Uh, 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 porn shop windows, you know, and they're just like drawing you in with like all the different you know, uh, toys and and clothing and you know all the uh, <laughs> all the accoutrements, the catchments of the trade, and uh, and I was just you know there with my kind of you know half my tongue out and half my shorts erect and. Uh, and then just realizing that my buddy Frankie was just like, you know, just total disinterest, Tony. Total disinterest. Couldn't. Not at all. Like, you know, he's just like, I saw this when I was 10 years old going home from school. Like, just everything in their face for their entire lives from yeah. such a young age that they just become, become like philosophically old men by the time they're like 21, 22. There's just no curiosity left. It's funny because we went the last time I went to Amsterdam was on a on a stag do, and I'd persuaded everyone to go to Amsterdam as, as opposed to going to Spain or mm. or, or mm. another drinking Eastern European drinking kind of location. I said, let's, I said let's go Amsterdam. It's a bit cultural. You get nice waffles there. You know, obviously secretly yeah. said, thinking to myself, and then I can get loads of Thai weed and smoke it and have a fucking great Woo! time. So which I yeah. did. Soon I was, soon as I was I was there, I was bought an ounce of tie and I bought yeah. ready rolled. I was having a great yeah. time. And you Amazing. walk up and you walk up and down the river, crossing over the river and came back again and looking into the windows and perving. And there's all these groups of men just walking up the one side of the river bank, got like all facing left, and then they cross over one of the bridges and then all facing yeah, left sure. again. And basically it's like the a shuffle of sham. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a porn hage. You know, oh, yeah. when they're just and like going important. around in Mecca, just going round and round. No disrespect yes. to it meant to anyone, but it's, it's it's a bit yeah, it's a bit like that's what was coming into my mind. I was I was looking at all these groups of men, thinking this is actually fucking mental. This is this, yeah, that, this, a, this is not a, a good ritual. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It is a ritual. ritual. It's a complete and utter ritual, isn't it? It's a ritualistic Wild. behavior. But Never I... thought about that before, yeah, but now you're reminding me of that um, that conveyor belt behavior. <laughs> and especially when you're just like floating on some, you know, some really, really nice uh, Thai THC, you know, which um, it's, I, I, must, I must tell you, Tony, that I still remember, and by this time we were, we were pretty chronic, I think. You know, I'm trying to, to put it, 
uh, an immediate like date on it in my mind just because the 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 introduction was so steep for me with weed particularly maybe yourself like i went from not really smoking it much to smoking it all a lot all the time but i i don't remember where in this in the genesis in fact i'm now remembering that it was really early days on and i'd also like before this already heard tell of like you know what you talked about tie stick that was already like among the old hippies i'd already heard the scuttlebutt <laughs> of tie stick so it was you know and, and in our world as well tony as you'd imagine like the disparity between imported weed and and homegrown in british columbia is like a, a billion percent to one you know it's just like nuts it's like it, like nobody imports weed. why would you import weed we're literally swimming in hydro you know what are you thinking and uh so it was it was exotic for multitudes of reasons and uh and then it um it i still remember like how as i'm sure you do abundantly how how much more outdoor grown it looked and how much yeah, more totally. shake was in it and seeds in it and, oh there was a, it, it was just... a completely different kettle of fish in the uk and back in the day and there was a selection there was, there was a wide selection of hashish we had like rocky which was moroccan we had double zero we had the double zero with coke Whoa. flakes in it we had squidgy nice. squidgy black then you had tieweed then you had African bush. You had Jamaican sensimedia. Was was some of the uh, was some of the double O? Did you say had uh, opium in it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, it had little yes. flake, flakes of nice flakes little of flakes white. of opium. Yes, yeah, wow. it was amazing. It was yeah. am and then if you yeah. were very lucky, you'd get Temple Ball. Um, yes, that was Beautiful. really expensive. That's my favorite of all. It's yeah. my favorite of all hashes. Yeah, it's and, and it was ball. incredible. And there was a point when about wow about 20 that was in england yeah 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 and you go wow. I'd go to my local snooker hall down harringay in north london um yeah. i'd buy bits and pieces and i'd buy some for friends as well because they couldn't get hold of any but um you could get all sorts of hash down there all sorts of it was mainly hash and and tie stick and etc et and there was a time when i was i made i was on a show on channel four called a heavy tv and i'd made a, a little vt called skunk the weed from hell and it was about the moment the moment when skunk came into the country and all the yeah. other weeds disappeared it was a bit Whoa. like it was a bit like you know it was a bit like it was a bit like covid when covid came and all the other flus and colds disappeared <laughs> off the face of the planet no one knew where they went one minute they were all here and, and next minute it was just skunk and all we could get was like 15 percent thc skunk and it was like and my argument was was that sometimes you just want to have a beer. You don't want to be drinking vodka or absinthe. You don't always yeah, want yeah. to have strong skunk, hybridized oh. Dutch weed. But I know a lot of people love that, you know, and good luck to them. But, you know, I was always a man of, of like, naturally occurring weed. You know, I loved my Durban poison from South Africa, and I loved my tie stick from Thailand. I loved a bit of a sense Amelia from Jamaica. And you know it was very. Nice. Some of it was well strong, but it never kind of it never had the capacity to put people into the cannabis psychosis mode, which a lot of youngsters can fall into, especially with a yeah, right. really really strong like White Widow AK forty seven, all these crazy hybrids. <laughs> yeah, my old favourites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just yeah, reading totally. off a menu for when, you. When I lived, when I lived in Jamaica, I 
when I lived in, in Amsterdam, 95, 96, Tony, that was the era of AK. And, and I always remember things chron- chronologically because at that time, White Widow hadn't come out. It was one of those ones that, like, just as I left, it was on my heels, it, you know, ascended in the Cannabis Cup. So it was like, it was like a, um, you know, sort of fabled, fabled, uh, um, thoughts as to as to how crazy it could have got beyond ak at the time you know and and then my my experiences with going back and having white widow which is exactly actually uh what i was alluding to in terms of not smoking for a long time and then going back to amsterdam and trying to plug in at your old you know frequency at your old intake yeah, yeah, and yeah. thinking that things are going to be okay for you tony right like, <laughs> just like, oh, my, oh my god like just totally like you know what you like uh like not being able to function uh, you know honestly like uh, we, we don't have to over explain to your listeners or yourself you know exactly what no, i'm talking about a, there, when, there, it, when it first dawns on you why gorilla glue is called gorilla glue that feeling over a prolonged period of time just like oh my god oh my god i can't move at all oh my god there's the, but basically know, there's, se- the there's several universes isn't there between african bushweed full of sticks and seeds where all the potency of the plants gone mm. into seed production and something that's without seeds sense amelia but hybridized and it's got 20 percent thc totally it's, it's basically like a space shuttle and a full escort crack totally yeah. yeah the crack of the of the weeds definitely well the um the tie stick that i was mentioning came to town and i always remembered it to this day because it made me change me and my buddy shane my roommate from calgary we're living in vancouver at this time and the tie stick came around and we got don't even know like we might have got a neighbor to roll it tony we were that like we were that toe dipping into the whole concept of it but i still remember it was like what you would have called over here i think probably a pinner like a a small like uh you know uh, um one paper oh uh, one skin yeah like a one skin one skin split, like a one a split. Skin, totally like nothing like a very innocuous looking thing and uh and i still remember because we didn't finish it i remember that we got like halfway down the thing and i literally like slid down a fucking wall tony Maurice. i was like like i did we didn't go out that night i remember that i, I, I don't remember if we even called whoever we were, we were hooking up with to uh to pull out but it was just like that that those plans ain't going forward for sure <laughs> and it was one of the and it's still crazy to even think about just because it was like it wasn't a very big joint you know it was like and, pretty, t- and um, weeds weak really compared to what's around these days it's, it's, you know it's like a five oh, yes, percent yeah, totally nowadays absolutely and almost any yeah like outdoor or not like uh in any way manicured like they do with like that's something that i very much learned living in holland that they're just uh well you know yourselves the the you know the hydroponics experts the just eight, 18 hours light six hours dark you know yeah, 18 yeah. hours light you know just like just uh, utterly putting them in a uh, a submarine sealed hold and uh and controlling the atmosphere and what you're feeding them is just maniacal the the level of uh of manipulation that's gone into that like that uh, that type of um, industry, you yeah, know, well, that was my introduction to it. There, I've never, I've never really been that big a fan of all that hydroponically grown. I mean, you know, there's something you get from the sun that you're never going to get from LED or you know other types of lighting and bulbs. You never, 
It's never going to be the same as something that's growing outdoors. It's got the wind on it. It's got insects landing on it. It's sure. getting, a, it's getting, you know, it's got the, it's got the it's, biome it's of the soil. <laughs> yeah, so animals are got... shitting on it, and, yeah. and 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 it's got the biome so it can talk to other plants. You know, it's it's, it's a million different reasons why things sure. grown outside are different. But I suppose that goes. That's also the same for like food and GMO foods and stuff that's grown artificially. You, you, you know, you eat an apple or an orange now, and it's that's got like a quarter food. of the content. Robot food. Yeah, it's got a quarter of the mineral content of something that was grown 30 years ago. Twice you, the size. Yeah. Three times the size. Yeah, yeah. totally. You know, and there's it's, it's yeah. a lot to be said for that. I get that. it. But, I get it. I mean, are you still partaking in the Feast of Jar? Oh, goodness. As, as often as possible. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. But quite, you know, uh, like I would argue clinically, in honesty, Tony, just... Um, you know, out of out of necessity to function. I'm not on any other painkillers, so it's kind of a it's kind of a relief to have any relief at all. Yeah, no, I you get know, you, man. Which, I and I use the oil. Also, I use the oil for the same reason. I mean, I, I still. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't smoke. I don't drink anymore. I mean, I try yeah, not to take yeah. any painkillers ever. Um, Good for you. You know, like yourself. I know you've had a lot of problems with your hip and and your back yeah. and and stuff. So, yeah. being in chronic pain is. It's almost kind of like an out-of-body experience, isn't it? You kind of resign yourself. Your, your your soul is just standing like eight feet away from your body, just going, you deal with that for a bit. I'm going to take some time out. And, um, and Absolutely. Some, it's just I fucking, ruminate it's, on exactly those types of thoughts every day, all day. It's just quite incredible, Tony. I'm, I'm in this crazy place now where I'm like incredibly strong and in probably... I don't know on a, they always ask you on a scale to 10, but like, I'm probably like a stay. I, I don't know other people's pain and I'm sure you feel the same way. You can't really like judge other people's general pilot light of discomfort. But I, I think I'm in, I think I'm in pretty minor anguish. I'm just going by the, like the normal grimaces and looks on my face that can happen somewhat involuntarily, you know, like, uh, I don't think anybody's suspected that I have a facial tick or anything yet, but, um, but I think like I've probably attracted the attention of strangers when i didn't intend to just from my like normal calisthenics as i'm trying to like <laughs> you know negotiate my day so but but it's also like funny as well because i keep thinking that like if if i had this kind of dedication to staying like functional i'd be like i would have been an olympian when i was a teenager you know if i knew exactly how much effort i'd have to put into being just like halfway normal yeah okay and functioning with your kids being okay and functioning totally just to like you know i i feel like i'm i'm a teenager waking up and being in the pool at quarter to six and you know three workouts a day and it, it's just beyond um so where are you now where are you with your health and you know briefly just you don't have to say anything you don't need want to say or yeah. but where are you with like pain and pain management how's how's your health how's your general state of being at the minute well it's crazy i'm i'm in a wildly awesome place and thankfully i was only thinking of it actually just honestly before the call because um 
because I've got it. I never do this, Tony, but I'm, I'm not. We're, we don't have to go any deeper into it. But uh, I got a birthday coming up this month. I don't normally care about birthdays. I'm quite like well known through my small circle to not be particularly attached to you know birth dates, and I, I, I'm sure like yourself, just to be tempered somewhat against commercialism yep, and yep. and you know the and I, I especially since the advent of social media it became a real anathema for me to just see like you know that sort of thing being uh like it's a cultural event that's to me quite distracting in terms of its you know uh, importance and it's very it's very me centered and me centric and often there's avarice and you know there's all sorts of like overlapping reasons why I try not and I always have done tried not to focus on milestones of birthdays but I knew that I had a birthday coming up and I just thought wow like as crazy as it is like in, in terms of you know uh, mysterious adversarial medical conditions go and self-diagnoses and all the all the things that I can sort of assume about myself. I'm going into this birthday about as certainly proportionately for age and realistic capability. I'd say Tony almost as fit as I've ever been. Wow, that's great to hear, man. And, and that yeah, and that's just like really a matter. I was having a little laugh in my head earlier today because I just thought like, um, you know, be, before you sort of. Uh, diagnose anybody as as depressed I've always thought and I'm sure it's like not an original thought it seems like quite a simple thing anyway but I've always just thought like you know a, a certain percentage of what ails people and I don't say this and I'm sure you're the same way Tony you know I in no way wish to diminish other people's um, challenges and I know like you and I both know you you talk randomly to people on the bus and it's not two or three people in before you meet people that have a much more harrowing you know personal story medical story than you can even dream of you know just yeah you you know you know we all know that a lot of people's lives just revolve around you know medical malaise and and you know adversarial medical challenges it's just really crazy to think how many people are subdued in that quagmire of of difficulty so again i don't i don't say this to like you know trumpet that i'm in a better place than than you know uh, other people but um but it's it's there's nothing wrong with celebrating feeling good man yeah i i appreciate that It's, it's just um strange to me that uh, that uh, when when they're like diagnosing these these issues, whatever they are with people, why they don't just try at least for a few days, maybe a week, Tony. To, you know, if you can do a month, amazing. But just like like ride a bicycle, try to ride a bicycle a little bit for a little bit, and and I, for me, that's always a foundation. I'm like I'm really strong because you know, obviously for for recent obvious reasons i've not been like a social butterfly at the gym you know in many instances we've not even been able to go to the local pool or take you know part of the saunas or you know any any part of those amenities so so you know you've kind of been stuck in your house a little bit cooped but i've always really really enjoyed calisthenics anyway and like isometric exercise and you know just sort of like the real basics of 
of you know push-ups and particularly pull-ups and and uh you know chin-ups reversing so kind of like i think of them almost every day just sort of like big power moves you know yeah yeah, and like almost like almost like circus stuff like like half chin-ups where you're like flexed arm hanging and just keeping your eyes on the bar and you know working on your grip by just being like a crazy monkey and and for me like i have to go through the cycling warm-up just to sort of get the tendons rolling over the bones at all because otherwise like i could literally you know put on uh it, it sound like a skeleton falling down a hill if i put a microphone on my shoulder if i just went and did a cold pull up for you <laughs> like it's just be like <laughs> you know i like uh feel like inside is just like a decaying superstructure of some sort you know whether it's rusting or the collapsing however. bridge <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, it's, you know, it's crazy. But I also, you know, I, I, I think like metaphorically as well that I'm just like a, um, you know, like a, I, I often think of myself as, as whale fall. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression. No, what's but that? What's that? It's, it's, a, it's an ecosystem that they only quite recently found in like, you know, uh, uh, oceanological, you know, biology of where, uh, a particular like um, society grows and and exists solely on the carcass of a dying and and descending whale and then depending on the depth which this is like they've found these whale graveyards at certain depths in the sea and and within each carcass there's you know peculiar and particular organisms that can only function within the whale fall so essentially like a whole new world develops as soon as a whale on the surface dies and then for years it takes for you know the various uh, degradation processes to take place before they'll actually plummet with the you know with the differential of the buoyancy to the to the um the skeletal structure and then you know obviously it changes as it goes to depth but but this again can take years and that's how i kind of that's how i see my like my health you know in terms of like you know one step forward half a step back it that even at like even at my age and at my my state of um general you know ill health for whatever confounding reasons i've not been able in my life to and i you know i'm easy on myself Tony, in terms of, you know, I think several times today, I just thought, what the hell is wrong with me? I'd really just like to know what, you know, what is ailing me. But at the same well, time, the, I'm but, like... But you're not the only person who's going, going through this at the minute. There's a lot of, at this particular moment in time, and I've, and I've been looking at this a lot because I've had, like yourself, but really weird ailments as well in the last like two to three years. And it's yeah, right. Yeah, and some of it is inexplicable. It's totally inexplicable. I've had tests. I've been. They've all come out clear. I've had an MRI. I had an MRI because I had the worst pain in my ear. I felt like I was going to go physically mad. I was going to literally, you know, that chronic mad, non-ending pain. It's like a like a continuous bad toothache that there's no there's no way out of. And you know, and you can yeah. see why some people, if you yeah. magnify that a little bit more, why some people would easily kill themselves. 
quite oh, easy because you can't yeah, live you can't absolutely. live with that. And it was I only found relief from that by finding um, a Chinese a Chinese uh, it wasn't a Chinese god but it was a Chinese uh, massage technique called Tweener, which is like basically wow. if, you, if you imagine Sharpie type pens but made of bone and made of um, whittled out of bone with and made out of certain types of wood. And the guy would then, and this guy's called Andrew Croisdale, he's in North London, he's an amazing yeah. guy. And he basically pushes these implements into your acupressure points. Oh, and my. It, and I could tell you, it's like pulling teeth. It's one of the most excruciating wow. experiences Whoa. of my life. And he's, and he's putting full force into these, yeah, sure. into these points. And it's like it's like acupuncture, but but a thousand yep. times more intense and painful. <laughs> right. But after seeing <laughs> after seeing like conventional doctors and paying for private M, private MDs, going for MRIs, getting nothing but painkillers, you know, you start. That's what often where a lot of people's journey starts into the metaphysical and into the holistic world, because the normal world, the three D kind of medical world, can't offer you anything. So you are, and there's only so much weed you can smoke. You've got to function as well. And sometimes yeah. even weed and other drugs won't take that pain away. But this guy, he must have relieved 70% of the pain in one session. Wow. You know, and he just basically, he well, basically. Well, I believe, it, it, are, uh, would you parallel that with Kundalini energy? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He shifted. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is and, and only recent, only on Friday. Because I've still got crazy kind of pains that come and go in my lymph nodes down my neck, and in my ear. Wow. But it's not as bad. Wow. I can function. You know, I've got I've got a whole world of gratitude that I'm living within, just for the fact that I can hobble about and go yeah. to work for feed my kids and function, yeah. and you know, and sit yeah. here without being in pain and talk to you and be able to function. Yeah. I've got loads of gratitude just for that, Craig, to be honest, just to get to that level. I was thinking when we were setting up the time to speak, I was thinking, Tony, that I just, um, I, I couldn't imagine the day being 25 hours long in terms of how I feel when I hit the pillow, you know, as of late and, and often where you just think holy smokes like i'm right at the end of this you know where you gotta like send a message to friends and just be like i i'll you know i'll return this call in the morning because i i don't even know if i've sent this text you know just being like apoplectic with 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 a deep deep tiredness yeah you know yeah, yeah. And, and then just thinking holy smokes like if i had to you know like the old days drive four hours back from a gig right now or something it's just like I, i'm not match fit for that i don't think anymore no, no way I'm i like, can do that you know tired at, at uh at dusk but i i wanted to mention as well that there's something that i hadn't uh, uh, mentioned in terms of like my general health which hasn't been you know great i wouldn't say for the over the last couple of years but something and i think we may have spoken quickly about it but if not um you'll remember that uh i guess maybe about I don't know, three three or four yeah wow i can't believe it's that recent maybe four top end four months ago uh bothered to do something that i've wanted to do for years and had put off for years but had done maybe four or five times before that and that was a uh an in total 14 day fast but a fast that involved uh um pretty uh pretty 
strict parameters for about 10, 11 of those days dedicated. And, and it was curious that about day eight was the first time that I just like looked at my pull-up bar as I'd walked past it, you know, back and forth from the shower or going outside or blah, 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 that I just like out of nowhere, Tony, I just thought I got to crank out some reps. And it was totally crazy because like, you know, I'd walked past the pull-up bar apparatus a lot of times over the last like few years and you know had more gut on for example like i'm at least a couple of belt loops you know smaller in the waist so like you know not to harp on about it tony but i'm like i'm i reminded myself of uh who's who's that guy in uh uh apocalypse now um although the the the, um uh, the, the dad where it reminded me of like how guys always looked like the American grunt physique in Vietnam, where they're not they're not built, but they're like not fat either. You know? Yeah, they're kind of like, they're kind of ripped, stripped, like stripped down. They're kind of ripped, yeah, totally, like a bit of a gymnast type of body, like you know, not not able to you know to bench press much, but able to do like a hundred push-ups in two minutes, no problem. You know, like that kind of. Um, that kind of build and and so for that it um it feels pretty pretty awesome but it definitely took like the kickstart of the fast and then just from then and actually another thing that's curious about that tony that um i also over sort of the same period of neglect prior to the to the fast had also not been like doing any cardio uh, rides on the bike at all, which is something that I've always, you know, usually kept sort of steady in my life, whether it's like 25 to a 40 minute, maybe top end hour and 10 minute ride, but like pumping it, you know, like chasing the biggest hills you can find, trying never to gear down and stay, you know, always out of the saddle, just, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, just like that kind of riding is the sort of, again, even if you only get out for like a 25 minute ride, it, it feels really good. But, but it's also the type of riding that like, if you haven't been doing it for, you know, similar to our, um, to our, uh, moving away from weed and alcohol, similarly, uh, um, exercise. If you've not been riding like that for like a year or a year and a half, at least as, as is the case here, when you just get back on a bicycle and try and like attack your favorite hill, it's, it's just literally, as I'm sure you're very aware and anybody listening would remember their experience with just like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. You know, <laughs> yeah. just like, I, I have never been this out of shape in my life. It's just like, how did I even think I was going to make it up this hill? And, and it's curious that, I don't know what, but I think there's some mechanism with it, but I don't know what the fast brought to things, but like the first few rides back over, and I'm now thinking like the last sort of like couple of months, they're like, they're not too bad, Tony, honestly, like, like it, you know, they were, they were excruciating and grueling, you know, <laughs> they're not your favorite, like 15 minutes of your life over the last year, but they weren't like as debilitating as I remember them like getting back on the horse to be. And, and I think there's something in the, um, you know, the, the, um, uh, fasting, the, the fasting, but also, 
associated with like um, indoor workout because because I hadn't been doing any like cardiovascular like high end stuff, but I have been doing like really intense you know sort of um, isometric exercises. So I, I'm surprised at how well that transferred to being able to cycle hard, like actually having a deep well of breath, for example. And I guess, you know, for me to, to dovetail into what you and I do, and I think like we've spoken behind the scenes a little bit, we've also had this like um, uh, uh, enterprise fall into our laps. And it reminds me once again, like I've got a, a few somewhat for me anyway, and I know you and I are in the same world, but like what we consider high profile is our own opinion placed upon our career successes but i've got some really nice performances coming up over the next few months and for the foreseeable future which you know in your own world as well you have you know those enterprises that um that inspire you to you know keep match fit for example for stage and for me a huge part of performing in fact i was thinking about it enjoying that we timed tonight to speak at about showtime because that sort of you know when we're speaking earlier i'm now like kind of passing out at showtime tony tony maurice i like pass out at the time that we're supposed to be on stage <laughs> but but knowing that i was gonna like be speaking to you over the last like week i've somewhat sort of maneuvered my schedule and my uh my behaviors as i would if i was doing a show for example which i've always like sort of done and i'm sure you're used to that world where you you start to wake up at a different time of the day and yeah, you know yeah, whether yeah. it's a nap before show or especially like if you're doing a lot of shows regularly on the road so you get into that like kind of hotel life and you know little things like me waking up at first call for breakfast sometimes if you could get it even before six o'clock it would be amazing but but then getting back to the hotel room for like, you know, 7.38 and then getting back to sleep, Tony Maurice, for another like <laughs> three or four hour chunk, you know, when you're like staying in a hotel, doing a cluster of shows in an area. So you've got like essentially the room for the week. So nobody's knocking on the door and it's like your house. And, and so that, you know, now you've got like a two hour, three hour nap before your show, which you can then get like a, you know, a, a sort of higher energy, but less volume meal into yourself. And, you know, maybe even get a swim in or a light workout or something that I've always enjoyed that. I don't know if that's ever been your world, but like particularly like my favorite shows almost invariably will allow me to have like a 20 or a 25 minute, whether it's like a hard run or a hard cycle, something that's just really Really, like pounds my heart gets my like energy up and then and then I, I find that it like you know braces my mind I get a real strong sort of um surge of uh of, of creative juices I really enjoy that state of mind but you and, know you know I want to go I want to go back to the I want to go back to the um this is so interesting because I want to go back to the to the fasting I've, I've spoken to so many people lately about fasting. I've been reading about fasting. I did a 24-hour nice. fast about three weeks ago, which was nice. good. I did an, had an enema, you know, the old pipe up the bum. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I did yeah, that. Yeah, had yeah, a totally, bit of, yeah. yeah, and I didn't eat. Coffee? Yeah, uh, no, um, tea, please. No, I had it. I did it with. Um, I had it with a uh, with a uh, aloe vera. I did an aloe vera one. I make my own. <laughs> use my own. Not the spiky plot. Not the leaf. Uh, yeah, the spiky no, no, bit. No. I stick that right up me, Jaxie. But you know, uh, but sure. this I met yeah. this this guy and um, nice. he'd had a he'd been on a seven day fast, a dry fast with some intermittent 
um, water and some intermittent um, juice, and he looked amazing. He he was ripped and he had full. Of, he was full of energy. Wicked. And and I've also Wicked. heard I've re- I've read an article um, lately as well about how there's a lot less cancer, a lot less serious chronic illness in in Muslim countries because they f- and, and the guy oh. worked out is because of the fasting. Oh. He, even though because they have their wow. Ramad- their forty days of Ramadan. Um, yeah. he, he's worked out that that 40 days, even though they have lots of sugar in their diet and that causes a lot of cancer, that 40 right, days yeah. resets the body and allows it, wow. allows the energy to go out of digesting yeah. food and into healing and fixing the body. Now, totally. I, this week I was supposed to go on a fast, but then I've got our friends back from Mexico. I've got this other um, thing happening. Sure. I ended up having a kebab, yes, like a homemade kebab. Don't get me wrong. But I haven't fasted nice, this week. Nice. I'm, I'm going to do it. So what I want to ask you, Craig, is just take us through like quickly what you did for those two weeks in the fast. What did, what did you eat? What did you didn't you not eat? Did you drink wow. any water? Did you have any juice? How did you do the two weeks? Yeah, well, this is called uh, the master cleanse or the master cleanser or the lemonade diet. It's often uh, referred to as and um, it's uh, fairly basic, but also fairly strict in that you um, uh, on the first evening, for example, you go to sleep on a uh, laxative tea so essentially your dinner would be your last meal and then uh, you'd enter the fast in the evening and uh this um uh a laxative tea can take form in in licorice or you know it, it, there's all different types of um ways to to get you slippery so essentially it's <laughs> in some ways relaxing your intestinal tract and um and uh, allowing for uh, a, a better evacuation the next day. So you're, um, you uh, wake on the first day and you put uh, two teaspoons of high magnesium, which is quite easy to find, sea salt, into a liter, a thousand milliliters of uh of if you can get it obviously uh, spring water would be best or um i've used distilled water but there's a lot of argument to whether or not distilled water is uh stripping or there's you know people that definitely believe that it does and there may be evidence to that although i've, I've not seen it or i've uh, my cog disc has kept me away from it tony i don't want to know i don't want to know how bad distilled water is for you because i know it's better for me than tap water and that's the option at this point in my life so i can't really you know be too um picky about it but regardless you um you put the uh the magnesium rich sea salt in your warm thousand milliliters of water in the morning and then you guzzle that back quite quickly as quickly as you can and um if uh if you're there's the way it's been explained to me anyway is that if your magnesium levels uh, are in equilibrium with the water that you've drunk then uh the water will not um, salinity-wise in in the uh, concentration that it's in in that solution will not um, uh, cross the intestinal barrier in that you won't absorb it into your body and it will just essentially act like a, um, a battering ram of your uh, intestinal tract and send like a good chunk of um, cleansing salt water uh, with some minerals being absorbed by I believe your small intestine 
and through and um, and blasting out uh, sort of remnants of your uh, your previous day's um, meal. And for some people, if you look quite deeply into it, you know, there's argument that um, depending on how you've been abusing your your colon, particularly, and the the uh, specifically they speak of um red meat i don't know how much of this is believed to be conjecture but the stories that i've heard of red meat stuck to intestinal walls is fairly um that's one of the the intentions of the fast is to make your intestinal uh, intestinal tract more efficient by clearing off any um residues or abscess not abscesses but um uh, debris on the sides or you know within the little like uh, corners and crannies of your what are supposed to be surface walls that are you know transferring doing their function to bring your nutritional load into the body but are now like you know covered in scabs of, of garbage food you've been eating since birth so that's the uh, the idea is that it um blasts off a lot of this uh and of course is assisted by the um by the laxative tea and uh and then it usually takes uh, they say 45 minutes under an hour and i'd say that that's probably pretty accurate in my experience where you just like tony you gotta get to the toilet so you uh you spend about the first like two hours of your morning uh you know on or near the toilet or around and then you begin your um first meal of uh of the day and and about every hour or so afterwards um on interval you make uh with organic lemon juice or organic lemons that you're to squeeze in the moment as well which is a uh uh, peculiarity that I hadn't stuck to when I'd done it in previous fasts. I'd, I'd previously made up large batches of the solution that I'm about to describe to you and then, you know, had it throughout the day or sometimes over a couple of days. But I've since done more research and realized or at least believe in the research that I've gone into that the, um, that the juice should be fresh rather than stored overnight or, you know, kept in the fridge. So the idea being that you really want like the enzyme qualities and capabilities of the lemon juice in the moment that's added to a solution of about eight ounces of, uh, again, optimally spring water, uh, two tablespoons of C-grade, or now they call it, there's a change even. I learned as I go, Tony, that I've been like looking for my old favorite C-grade organic maple syrup, but that actual classification of A, B, and C syrup has, has now been uh, truncated into just A and B. So you can imagine like me being the pedant that I am, Tony. I'm just like pulling out my hair and just like, no, I don't want B. I want C. You know, just got you because it's the darkest and the most um, nutrient rich uh, nutrient rich and and with the largest cross section of uh, of um, uh, minerals and uh, you know, your base elements, your manganeses and you're just real like rich uh in in all the necessary additives for you added with the vitamin c that's in the lemon juice that keeps you alive for the for the 10 days that you're looking at and some people i've gone longer than that but like i think 
I think I'd probably aim for 15 days if I were to, to do it again. But again, it's a funny one, Tony, because you don't feel motivated to do it unless you actually, like, there's just a number of times that you have to look yourself in the mirror and think, I am a bag of shit, before you just realize that, like, something has to change in your life, Tony. you got to turn this boat around. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, it, man. You know, so, are, you so, eating so any, are you eating any food at all? And you said that you had a meal. No, no. So, the, yeah, so the solution is the two tablespoons of, of organic, fresh-squeezed lemon juice. I recommend, you know, as horrible as it might sound, to actually have to go in a waitrose. And, you know, they just have, like, a spectacular caliber of, uh, if you can afford it, which all of this is, you know, avarice, Tony, isn't it? Because it's just, like, it's hard to make ends meet with rice noodles these days. But uh, if you can afford to invest in your to go and get organic or you know uh, lemons in the amount that they cost it is a real decadence and they are just like a spectacular fruit when you when you find them in their you know richest you know as 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 organic as you and i know is possible to be on an entirely poisoned planet but regardless like you know they're a high quality fruit and you get two tablespoons of them you get the c grade or as it's now called b grade organic maple syrup which is although it's dear you can source it in europe and you can definitely it's cheapest in germany i found but you can get at a certain price in the uk that isn't too exorbitant over you know the next option is paying to have it shipped from canada or vermont so you know uh, it's also expensive but it's still great and uh and as much and this is actually not the easiest but you still can get a hold of it um organic cayenne pepper tony which uh which there are some like i now realize there's sort of a complexion or a taste to to the different cayenne peppers that you can get but regardless they're um they're said to be really good at rejuvenating the blood and uh and i I think they provide some b-level vitamins if i'm remembering correctly but regardless it's like the it's the blood uh cleaning element if you can you know bastardize a term i don't know if it's actually cleaning but there's some amount of uh pulling out of toxins if you believe that that's so possible what's this what's this whole fast what's this method called craig um do you know the name well, like, well, just the master cleanser is usually what it's known as, and it's like uh, it's it's a fairly famous. If you went online, you could find a lot of testimonials of the of the master cleanser diet, and it's allowed like sort of. It's not intended, or it was never intended by uh, Mr. Burroughs, who created it. I think in the forties, it wasn't intended as a reduction diet. I don't believe, but um, a lot of people do use it as like a way to to lose weight, which I don't think. Well, I, I know for myself that's not like what I would want to use it to focus on just because it's, it's not fun to do a fast when you're like pulling your hair out because you feel like you're starving, man. You know, like that's just like it's not, you know, an enjoyable element of it. It's kind of nice to feel satiated, but also feel cleansed. And you're actually in a state where like you do feel whether it's through the smell or especially if you're doing as I did through this latest one getting into the sauna as often as you could if you couldn't get to a sauna have you know a, a, a ridiculously hot bath and then you know basically turning your house into a sauna by having a cold shower after that and then a hot bath and then a cold shower and basically you know using your largest 
uh, organ, your skin, as a breathing mechanism to try and help toxicity out of yourself. And essentially, you get to like sort of day three, day five at the max, and you do sort of, you know, you notice your skin's clearing up, and you got a bit of a jump in your step, and you know, you're sleeping better, and you have a, a, a different feeling of sort of, you know, tranquility about you, and and uh, a cleanliness, interestingly, on your tongue as well. You know, you kind of like, you, you put a, a torch on your tongue, and you can see that it's like not got the band of, of nuclear green running through the middle of it. That's the norm for, you know, sort of our our lizard creatures on the surface that all the toxicity that we have to put ourselves yeah, through i know so that green get... i know that green central like reservation well on my tongue <laughs> and, that, and that like kind of you know you that's what you're sort of looking at as the barometer of your progress as you go and um and then the other thing that you can do generously and sort of at discretion is uh, a multitude of you know types of mint tea peppermint spearmint tea you know very chlorophylls just kind of um you know uh um nice complementary beverages that aren't in any way uh in competition with the fast itself and and allowing you to you know again just keep keep uh, pissing out toxins as you go and it's a really uh it's a, a, a wild feeling that by uh you know to to refocus on day eight it was just kind of one of those things where i just thought wow i really like i feel really good again and and wanted to you know sort of like uh, I don't even, I'm trying to explain the mindset of even why I wanted to do a pull-up at that time. But maybe <laughs> I, I, at that point, thought that, you know, th there's that kind of disappointment with where I, I basically had stopped working out because I, uh, and this is interesting because, like, when I was saying earlier, if I knew how much pain was kind of normal, Tony, I'd have been an Olympian, that kind of mentality, that, like, I stopped kind of working out regularly because of the pain feedback I was getting. And then I just thought like, now I'm just in pain and out of shape, <laughs> right? Like there's like no real, I, I've gained nothing and it's kind of depressing. And then, and then I did the pull-ups and I just thought, well, they hurt, but I did them. And then just kind of from there progressed to sort of realizing that I can exercise. It just fucking hurts. That's all it's like. So you had the, the you had the strength that's... though. You hadn't eaten for eight days, but you still yeah. had the strength to do it. Yeah, and that's what was kind of cool about it. It was just like, okay, this is kind of now we're into like RoboCop territory, where I just feel like I'm this uh, like robot superstructure underneath them, um, underneath a. Uh, a uh, I look like if you were to see me, I'm sure Tony, you might even compliment me on my complexion or you know my like my. My face isn't fat. I've got strong bone structure. I'm like, my eyes are clear. I, I marvel. I, you know, I'm not like adverse to. I, I'm I doing it, man. I'm, I'm going to totally do that. Narcissistic. I'm, you've sold it to me. I was looking for a, a particular method to do. I didn't. I didn't even know we was going to touch upon this tonight. And you've given me exactly what I need. The master cleanser. I'm going to do that. So nice. I can see a two week period. What, what's the What's the kind of entry level time to do it? Seven days. 
Yes, absolutely. And some people do kind of like, I wouldn't do less than seven, but I'd also like really, really encourage you if you got the fortitude to fight past that, because I think that you notice the sort of like next stage from seven to 10, I think is, is a little um, further than you might like from on the ground right now presume but in the same way like i'd ward you off of for example just doing three and not going further because it would just like not take you into the sort of day five period that i feel is like crucial to it so you know it's one of those things if you can if you can do it with a mate or a close friend or you know somebody that you can have like a kinship encouragement with that's uh, a great you know help and i just say that because also i've got experience in like yours would be um urban settings where it will definitely amplify your senses and particularly like your sense of smell and your tastes will like you'll become very uh, sentient in terms of your um empathy with your surroundings and and that can be very uh, or more frustrating for sure when you're surrounded by like you know your favorite foods or restaurants that you you know your shops that have wafting uh, aubergine dishes and you're really going to know about it in a way well, that like, well, it's example, hard the... enough it's hard enough doing anything like this when you've got kids and you're feeding them Tony, that was the wild thing about this time that I'd never experienced before. That I was at the same time like making dinners for the kids. It was crazy, Tony. It was nuts. Like just like having food around because I'd I'd experienced the the fast for the first time. It, uh, like snowshoed into a, a mountain hut in a, a place called Black Tusk near um near uh. uh whistler in canada like really remote and like essentially we didn't give ourselves any potential out other than we had like a nine bean stew that we bought uh, just like brought up as like an emergency ration thinking like if we're going anemic or so you know we start to like convulse and die that we've at least got some food that we can resurrect ourselves with but it was like totally the opposite we're just like there's no potential that we were even hungry and we skipped out of that hut like literally like like, I remember just being incredulous the whole time down the mountain, just like, whoa, like, I thought that we were going to be, like, low on energy and, you know, potentially um, just when you haven't eaten for 10 days as we hadn't, you just think, like, uh, you know, we, we snowshoot in here just fine, but we haven't been doing any, like, calisthenics in place. And and when you haven't eaten for seven days and you've definitely, or 10 days, and you've definitely, like, lost a chunk of weight, like, you know, an appreciable amount. I just thought, oh my goodness, like we might be found, you know, in the in the woods <laughs> in the spring type of thing. And Tony, we just like literally just like ran down the mountain. Like we're constantly looking at each other with, with uh, by the time we got to like a logging road, putting the, um, the snowshoes in the pack, like just couldn't believe that we were keeping like a, a steady trot and just feeling like we, you know, taking years off our lives. So, so that's my sort of perspective with it. But, but then the next time that we did it in the city, that was when I had that, like, you know, and this was in Vancouver, Tony. So at a time when, you know, I don't know if you've experienced Vancouver, but it's like famous for, you know, uh, falafel 
pizza slice, you know, uh, Greek food, you know, Japanese. Like, I, there's for me, there's no other city. I'm sure that there's people that would argue, like, there's probably places like Melbourne or those sorts of international diaspora cities that have a high end of um, demand. You know, parts of California have that as well, where it's just like vibrant with food and and trying to do the fast in the midst of that. I just remember it being torturous, Tony. Just like like every day was a battle of like not falling off the wagon and just grabbing something quick especially you know if you were on the move and you didn't have like your potion with you to keep yourself satiated and topped up which again like that was a big change on this one that um i i now believe more and understand the 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 ritual in fact of making it fresh each time tony you know like just getting getting yourself a, a lemon squeezer and you know it usually is about a half a lemon for two tablespoons it works out too so like four tablespoons of lemon and and making it each time fresh for yourself and also not like sipping you know through the day but like like essentially shooting it like you would a wheatgrass shot or something of that nature so you're getting the full sort of impact of the potion each time you do it and that would be like six or eight times a day at least that you're having like and with increasing quantities of the cayenne also so you're getting like a a more um uh, uh, cleansing rush, I would call it almost, and that's something curious as well. That if you if you like shoot the entire drink, you can tolerate quite a bit more cayenne pepper in it. So it's almost like medicinal that it passes, you know, your taste buds without really giving you the full rush. You're just sort of guzzling it, and uh, and that was like a change that I hadn't done on on this particular one. So so these are all idiosyncrasies that I don't know. Like if if I was you, I don't know if I'd want to do the like making dinner for the kids and walking around green lanes and amazing food wafting past your nose while you're trying to do the like first run with it. But at the same time, I I know that you can do it. So it's like one of those. Um, it's just you know, like, to it, it, encourage this, you to. You have to, though, don't you? I mean, when you've got kids, you just have oh, to well, do this you, shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you, but, yeah, it's, but well, you know what's amazing? Just by, you know, thinking of the health benefits of fasting, because there's no doubt that there yeah. are numerous health benefits for resetting the body, totally. destroying yeah. chronic totally. illnesses, um, doing yeah. all sorts of things, getting rid yeah. of uh, diabetes, totally. heart problems. Yeah. It shows how much we're, we're clearly overeating as a species, especially in the West. If we was yeah. all eating the correct amount and fasting like on a regular, maybe twice a year kind of basis, we'd probably have enough food to feed 20 billion people on this planet. Just what we're producing now, you know, let alone, well, you know, we can, we, we, we produce an excess of food anyway, because a lot of it goes to waste. But the fact that we're poisoning ourselves with the food, is kind of yeah, uh, sure. is 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 amazing in itself, isn't it? That not only are we yeah. being poisoned by the atmosphere, by what's being sprayed or what's being put into the GMO foods and everything, but we're just yeah. even good food. We're eating too much of it. Yeah, yeah, and well, and you know also that we would also uh, like scientifically, it's you know proven that we would live longer, quite quite a bit longer. You know, that's like the the longevity. Uh, potential is entirely they know um uh, uh attached to um food to, uh, well to overeating right like they know 
you know, particularly through my studies, that like if you if you eat less, your your body, uh, you know, regenerates for longer. It's it's you know less uh, abusive to itself. And are so you eating? Like a, are you eating less a, now? Then <laughs> since the fast, that's they... funny. That's a, that's another thing that's really I fill up a lot quicker. Absolutely, and and quite and the other thing that's really enjoyable about it that you actually could wrap your head around, you know for what my warnings were earlier that um i used to have and i'd say i still have it but i'm like more on top of it now where um i almost couldn't like if i go grocery shopping when i'm hungry i'll just do that stupid thing where i'll like kind of buy i'll half buy like 30 different types of meals because I'm just like kind of, you know, impulsive with my uh, with my hunger in the moment, and then and then walk home with these like you know hybrids of three or four different types of meals that I can cook for myself, and and on you know on the way in the parking lot eat a tuna sandwich that I bought on the way out the door, and just like and then you know get home and just realize oh I'm not even hungry for the rest of the night, and I don't feel like eating, and so it was like kind of um, like dysfunctional shopping for dysfunctional eating tony but what's really curious now is that like when i'm walking through any of my favorite aisles in the supermarket i you know i do enjoy eating certainly um and you know a wide range of food i'm not very picky but um but now if i like I, I recognize those pangs if I like look at a type of olive or something and I'm starving at the time, Tony, like, at, you know, the silliest time to ever go shopping. I'm like, I'm, I'm literally beside myself with hunger. And, and now I can just sort of like acknowledge that experience of, of those pangs and not be entirely uh, manipulated by them like in the moment because you know that's one of the things of uh, particularly like as long as a 10-day fast there will definitely be some like disillusioning moments in your life and certainly you know more than a couple of them over that period of time where you're just like whoa I'm like I'm pretty hungry right right now. It's been, and then you you know yeah, especially when you have the incredulity that you're like, wow, I haven't like had solid food of any type, which is another like great aspect of that fast for like six days, you know, seven days, eight days. You just like keep sort of thinking, holy smokes, I really haven't eaten anything solid for you know days and days now. And are you, and are you that, eating like, meat though? Now are you eating meat again? Since the I fall? sometimes do, but uh, more rarely than I used to, if I'm honest, which is uh, disappointing. But at the same time, it's um, it's not as efficient for like where I'm at right now is like 18, 19 year old, like, you know, near professional athlete uh, feeding myself lots of noodles and tuna, lots of noodles and eggs, you know, real sort of bare bones basic uh food but like you know fruit and peanut butter um that's another thing that's really nice about it tony that's so awesome is that like the reintroduction of food to your normal diet becomes much more discerning 
that's exactly what I'm talking of now that like the idea that you would just go down like a shopping aisle and just grab a pizza because you saw it and your eyes saw it and then your mouth watered and you just, I love pizza, ah, ah, you know, it's only 15 minutes in the end, you know, just like that kind of like animalistic side of you gets more sort of um, methodical and, and more sensible about like, no, what would I like, what could I really use right now? And, and I guess it's also, you know, what part of it as well, Tony, is the, is the confidence and the enjoyment of like building on your strengths so like you know for just going out and riding with the kids on the bicycles for example is fun but it's also like fun to to be you know sort of faster on the same hill that you've done x amount of times you know there's like uh, that makes a difference when you're deciding what you're going to eat at two in the morning you think why am i hungry right now what does my body need and you know what would be best to sort of uh what would help my pull what would help my pull-up numbers on wednesday the most you know you kind of get into like a more sort of strategic eating pattern and um it's crazy because we're we're eating we eat part of the Sorry, we, I was just going to say we eat too yeah. we eat too too wide a variety of stuff at the same time as well, don't we? I mean, is that right? You think, yeah, yeah, because like what you just reminded me of that by saying like you're eating eggs and noodles, you're kind of eating like basic things, one or two, three ingredients at a time, <laughs> yeah. instead of like yeah. I can I can just the other night when our friends came round, we had this big reunion. I must have eaten thirty different things that night. Chicken <laughs> nice. and chi- chicken. Yeah, it was sure. great. Don't get me wrong. It was like yeah. pita breads yeah. from Cyprus and like tzatziki. And, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but exactly <laughs> that. Like gigging on a cruise, like gigging on a uh, cruise, and um, uh, and it just it doesn't. I don't, you can imagine what that's doing to your body because if you if you look at any other kind of wild animal, they're eating a fish or they're eating grass or they're eating nuts or they're eating one thing at a time. They're yeah. never ever eating like a platter of 30 different things for the body to digest at the same time. It's like, when you think about it logically, it's nuts because it's, yeah, you Literally. know, also, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that has changed slightly, and for me, it's quite a dramatic change, is I've started to eat more animal liver than I've ever eaten in my life. And that's oh, okay. curious as, a, as like a dietary change, just in terms of um, what I feel nutritionally, it provides for, you know, very little uh, effort. And that's kind of a... Um, a very dramatic change for me in terms of of normal uh diet so that's a, that's kind of a wild one along the way it's um it's uh a, just a, a a different change you know to um to come from i, I guess it, yeah, that's part of it as well that i i was um thinking how how much more comfortable you become with like not eating for quite a long time. And I think probably I'm sure you've heard of, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the expression for it. People that uh, intermittent fasting. Have you heard that expression? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. Even you kind of, your last okay, meal and yeah. you don't eat till the next day, like 18 hours later. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, you know, I, I, I'm, I believe I have faith in the background of that personally i i think that there's merit to that for sure and especially in terms of you know what our uh, evolutionarily uh, our structure is uh, as a species for sure i always think in terms of like it makes sense to me the 
the the like needing to chase food before you eat food it makes sense to me that you would go for long periods without eating which like now you know we're aware that that's a healthy thing to do as you were mentioning earlier so it makes sense to me that that's sort of what the body does in terms of um how it can repair itself and what it's no its natural state of being is tony that's the kind of like you can only imagine how hard it would have been to have like a steady a, a, a steady um staple of uh, uh, availability of food in antiquity it's got to be just like the craziest up until like the era of the refrigerator it was like it, it must have been nuts trying to like you know keep meat fresh or even have anything well, fresh dry. on it would hands. all be dried and smoked wouldn't totally. it and hung in larders the extreme version of all of this is like you get to the breviarian don't you you get to that person who could just exist sure. with like minimal food maybe now and again and they're just they're drinking a bit of water and they're taking their sustenance out of the air and out of the sun which ultimately yeah. is where well, all of the animal and food Energy and plant products, products they all yeah. the produce, I should say. You know, we're not products. Yeah. But that's what they're yeah. all full of sunlight and all full of water, aren't they? And air. Yeah. So it's just it's a different wild, form. Though. It's just a different form. It's wild and crazy to think of it like that. But you know, it a is possible. Frequency. Yeah, it's a different. Yeah. Fre- you're existing, and I think that's probably like an evolutionary step for humankind once you get to a certain point of consciousness you're not eating food no more you're just kind of like you go past that and and that part of the body becomes useful for something else maybe then the stomach becomes the brain that it should be because it's got the the capacity then and it's left alone and it's not full of burgers and fries and beer and chips and it can actually just be used as a brain then i i I think that there's like a duality that I'm fighting with at this stage in my life. And I don't know if you feel parallel with it in terms of like, like both you and I have, have strong sort of uh, personal at least, but like moral ethical compasses that we try and, you know, maintain or, or, um, you know, adhere to. And, but at the same time, we're jesters. So we've got to find like the alternative to the, the conformist point of view and 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 response so it, it it's uh, and i bring that analogy to uh, or that that framework to like i i think deep in my heart tony if i like sat on a stone and i ringed my fingers and sat cross-legged for long enough i know that i would come to the realization that like a vegetarian diet is probably a necessary adoption for me to ascend there's a there's a bit of me that's also like there's another you know bird on my shoulder that is just like eat a steak you dickless prick you know there's like a little there's that like cowboy from the from the prairies that will always you know that's unfortunately for people you know sometimes who know me but you know certainly uh moments in my life where i i you know i know i'm that guy i'm like a i'm a born on the on the prairies meat-eating maniac i know that about myself i know like i've visited those roots and i know that's what i'm made of and where i'm from i'll never be embarrassed to like to to you know butcher 
eat an animal. I can't, I can't adopt that sort of um, judgment of myself. But, but at the same time, like I, again, like on the spiritual side of it, I also know, like mentioned, there's a bit of me that thinks, oh, you know, I bet those Hindus are onto something. They're like, they, they've really been digging deep on this. So I, I'm always in these two minds now where I like, and especially as things compress, like especially on topic matters that you and I know abundantly, for example, the Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, you know, processes that like, that you know, they're, they're trying to get you to eat bugs. There's no doubt about it. Like uh, yeah, they yeah. don't want you having access to meat. So, so the more that that sort of boot stomps on us, the more that my natural response is like, I'm going to fucking eat steak until I die. And you'll have to pull it out of my mouth, to, you know, to stop me from doing it. Like I, I've got this like counter revolutionary in me that even though I, there's a, a tiny bit of me that thinks they're right. There's another bit of me that just can't acquiesce to the bullying element of it's it. So, so interesting you say all of that because there's that duality there i mean if we can change gear in a minute and go on to this kind of like political kind of framework of where we are in this melee of of world madness at the moment um but you know just to just to add a little caveat i was i was in a in a in a um what, what they call um fishmongers today I went into a fishmonger's. I thought I'm going to buy some fish. I'm going to go home and I'll cook that fish for everybody. Like I went into the fishmonger's and I looked at the fish and it, and it actually saddened me. I felt sad. I'm going to tell you the from the bottom of my of from the bottom of my heart. I was sure. thinking exactly yeah, yeah. what what you just said was running through my mind, and I was thinking, how am I going to f- progress any further spiritually if I'm just uh, like being if I'm partaking in all Part of this. Of all these Anna, all these creatures from in the sea were swimming around quite happily. And I looked at the lobsters with a with a elastic bands around their claws and I thought, that is oh, yeah. fucking and I've never liked that, you know, however kind of spiritual or yeah, non-spiritual yeah. if yeah, I've been yeah. if I've been in a very mischievous Loki type uh, part of my life yeah. when I'm drinking and smoking and partying and gigging and all of that shit. Even then yeah. I even then I would think, this is really cruel. There's something really wrong here. Because them creatures can live to like sixty years old. Some of these um, lobsters. Oh, a hundred, Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so absolutely. you're thinking, yeah, you know, sure. they've got offspring. Yeah, yeah. That you know, they they could be oh, sentient. Yeah. And then all of our, totally. you know, there's yeah. all of the disc. So the the point is here is that with their agenda twenty one and they're kind of getting us to eat like locusts on toast and everything else. They they <laughs> always they always put that element of like truth into into what they're sure. doing they always cut they've always got a bit of bait on the end of their line which makes you yeah, think sure. well actually they may be right because fact like, let's say for example they want to stop us eating meat the factory farming is shit no intelligent sentient human oh, yeah, would yeah. believe that keeping pigs like the way they kept is a good thing pigs are intelligent creatures we shouldn't be keeping them yeah, like sure. that it's disgusting yeah um you know i've been anti sure. that i don't i haven't eaten pork for years anyway that's a personal thing yeah. to do with pigs but so they've yeah, got right. so they so they lure us in like that in the same way as you know you would it's not good to be racist you're not a racist I'm not a racist we don't believe ourselves to be racist but then on the on the back of that they they put another 20 30 percent of like added darkness where they put or put critical race theory kind of like just along with the package so that you're yes we're all in a group <laughs> we're all in agreement here you open a suitcase. <laughs> switch yeah the bait and switch. bait and switch you open a suitcase <laughs> and it's not only what you've packed but they've put in a couple of extra shirts 
a couple of black shirts and a dildo. <laughs> so, and I think it's the same thing with the meat thing. So, yeah, we should have, sure. we should be eating a lot less meat if we want to ascend spiritually and karmically, cleanse ourselves and raise our vibration as a collective. Which is the only way we're going to get rid of these um, lizards that are controlling Our us guns. for one for a better. Yeah, and eat, we don't even have to. I mean, I'd rather eat lentils. You know, let's let's get let's get. I'd rather eat lentils and beans than than have to even eat a cro uh, um, you know a handful of bugs. You don't need the bugs at the end of the day. But I can see you can see where they're coming from. I mean, and and ultimately they will be eating steak. They'll always be eating steak, and they will always be getting <laughs> the best steak from the best private farms in France and wherever Bolivia and ever, yeah. all over the place. They're not going to do. They do nothing. Like what they tell us to do, <laughs> but but they, but ultimately they they put some truth into every little lie sure. that they weave. That, sure. Do, do, do well, you see that 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 kind of that pattern of their darkness? Yeah, yeah. Isn't there? Uh, you know, every every you know piece of propaganda, there's like eighty percent truth, right? You know, it's like uh, it's it's like most cliches are true. You know, it's um. For them, it's just a marketing technique. They're, you know, they're just, yeah, as we've mentioned, it's a, it's a bait and switch. It's a leading you down the garden path, and then, you know, packing the dildo in your Samsonite, right? It's just like, <laughs> what, the, what the hell is like? It like, uh, it needs you. I find actually, funnily enough, like conservative, you know, which sort of our sphere of thought runs in, does, you know, does the same thing where it, um, you know, it sort of assumes. That you know, your anti-abortion, for example, is a huge one that you know kind of needs you to. Another one is like, and I use it sort of. I, I think I think I use it uh, as struck down by lightning as I might make. I I am like ironically religious. You know, I'll say, "Oh my God," or "Good Lord," or you know, I'll capitalize God if I'm if I'm tweeting some inanity. You know, but at the same time, I'm not. You know, I'm not um, practicing of any, you know, faith or or a particular discipline. So it's, you know, it's somewhat of a mockery in terms of how I behave regarding that. But there's there seems to be a lot of um, sort of I think that sort of keeps right wing politics at bay because it's it assumes you to, you know, it's it, it's always got the dildo in the briefcase. Unfortunately, there's always like some amount of you know, hugely controversial tenant that's associated with it that you just can't, uh, you know, abide. Like, in, you know, when you mentioned it earlier, the, you know, the racism thing, right? It's just like, if you've, no matter how parallel you were in thought with somebody, if you felt like they believed they were better than you because of the color of their skin or something, right? You just be like, okay, well, this is a real, this is the dildo in the briefcase for me. Sorry. You know, like, like as, as much as I, you know, agree with your other beliefs, I can't, you know, I can't run with that one. And that's unfortunately in so many ways, like I, for me, that's a sort of keen study of, um, like, well, in honesty, the majority of like politics that I'd assume you do from what I know about you and I know that I do agree with is like nationalistic politics. Yeah, I, yeah, you know, to I a like, degree, yeah, it's nationalistic, I, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, like part of the dildo in the briefcase with that type of politic is at some point you're going to get to the like rabid racist, you know, 
quadrant of it and and unfortunately you know there uh, there's obviously a political mirror on the other side of that that's like the the lunatic far left you know they have their own shock troops if you want to call them that and and curiously enough as we speak about it you know those are like actual nazis in an actual war zone right now right yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's you know we're in this crazy world where like nobody can produce more radical radicals than their opposing number and uh just, just for the benefit you know, that... for, for for listeners uh craig just i mean you don't have to go into it at all but just you know summarize yeah. where you are like mentally over what happened in the last couple of years on 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 good old terror planet earth with covid and everything you don't have to get into it in any great detail but just so people know where you stand in terms of kind of where we are in the conversation and where we might head to in a minute if you've still got some time um what, what do you think happened for the last two years you can you know where where did, where did it come from what was it about where do you think people are now with their belief systems how do you how do you think the powers that be are now with their plan where do you think there are they are on their on their plan in their agenda you talked about gender 21 there a second ago i mean lots of people know what that is now that's kind of like being pulled out into the open so what, what, what do you think's happened in the last couple of years and and how does it relate to human consciousness i i think that there's been a um well a, a cataclysmic distillation of of um of sentience on if i'm honest on the earth where there's uh i i comedically refer to it i i i wish i i'm not going to say what i'm going to say tony but i'm going to say it anyway but i was i was thinking how like cruel it is that our powers that be whatever you want to call them the royal they you know the othering of the unspeakable other whatever you want to call our overlords or our uh, you know our our, our our oppressors they're utterly cruel for dividing us into the unvaccinated and retard it's just like you know <laughs> that they've created that cataclysmic chasm between two you know human types is is utterly brutal and and uh and uncalled for and diabolical and as dark and gross as you can get but unfortunately that's in my heart that's where i feel that it's at that i you know I use the term that the Japanese referred to uh, in Unit 735, if you're familiar with that, in uh, yeah. Manchuria in World War II. The, the, uh, the logs are here. You know, that, that if people in a world that you and I have shared for nearly the same number of years, as sentient as anybody else, you know, across from us on a bus or on the, on the tube anywhere in the world... You know, we've all seen the same movie. We've seen many of the same events play out. We've seen the rumors of the Kennedy assassination. We know the the snapshots. A lot of us are very familiar chronologically with the events of World War One and World War Two, and some of us are strong enough to be interested in going back into the the Boer Wars that, in many ways, you know, dovetailed into the First World War. And if you get Beyond that, to the you know, to the to the Franco-Prussian wars, and you know, the the great wars of Europe between the Holy Roman Empire and the and the you know the the Protestant princes, and you know, once you, you get sort of through the, the what we believe is our history and these 
conflagrations that that have uh, erupted along the way that people wouldn't have been more cynical in terms of the mass medication of them even especially when you're thinking that it's it, it's specifically referred to in in the Nuremberg codes in fact the you know the the specifics of forced medication so it's not you know it's not like it's a new um, threat to you know to liberty that's being placed in our world it's definitely been associated with the most mortal crimes against fellow man by like a billion miles. And this is interesting for me where you get into, and I've you know read this even a few times today, Tony, and I'm sure you have as well, if not some of your listeners for sure. The, um, the, the, the need for the ritualistic aspect of this uh, global crime to, to allow for its, its, manifestation through the free will of the participants yeah you know the 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 fact that all the information has been provided as to why you should of course never it, it, i always find incredulity as well tony in the in the in the just myriad of it you can name any one of them the the caliber and i've mentioned this even this week that we're in a crisis of of the ability to read character because there is nobody in the camp of the poisoning, you know, pharmaceutical giants that's in any, any way uh, uh, trustworthy, uh, um, sincere, you know, of any level of integrity. All of the proponents, you just want to name any one of them, starting with the manufacturers themselves and their, you know, uh, their experiences in prior court cases and lawsuits and, you know, the astronomical, the record payouts that that industry has publicly, you know, had to had to uh, stump up. And and the fact that all this public, uh, public knowledge in, still in no way seems to, uh, you know, deter participation in, in, a, in a horribly fatal ritual. And it's just really, I think you've been, if we haven't spoken about it specifically, certainly friends in our circle have that I've spoken to that, one of the few things, because I think you know we're sort of old souls. If I can, if I can speak for you a bit in terms of like, and you know, our mutual friends. Similarly, if we're not easily uh, duped, um, flat, but well, not duped, but just like we're we're not easily shocked or surprised. You know, oh, we're kind okay, of yeah. uh, unfortunately a bit resigned in terms of like you know what what new bit of data could they show you and I to get a reaction anything beyond a you know a flash of an eyebrow like there's just nothing that they could show us anymore that you could be you know in any way impacted by but the one thing that it seems that we do have in common is the sheer numbers of people who have who have you know capitulated to blind coercion and and bullying tactics and threats and and 
you know, fear as a driving force. And to me, like, it's just, it's a non-starter. It seems like the most basic, it's an Aesop fable for crying out loud. Like, it's the most basic tenets of existence and experience in life. That if somebody's, like, threatening you or trying to deceive you or in some way, you know, push you in, in any direction that creates in you instinctually instinctively an anxiety of feeling manipulated coerced or bullied you that's your like innate that's your your innate uh, uh, survival instinct screaming at you shrieking at you in the direction of where truth lies so what and, go back to the free will for a minute the, the free will suggests to me that that kind of they can't break the free will for them to get away. This is, I mean, this is. I'll give you my personal take, just sure. very briefly. It's just there's a free will, free will law in the universe. It's in the same way there's gravitational laws and electromagnetic laws and laws of physics in in this realm and you know and others and others. But there's a, a, a universal free will law that they can't cross the Rubicon of. They can't cross that line. And if they do, it's detrimental to them, their plan, maybe their karma, whatever the case may be. And they mm -hmm. know that. Yep. So they have to push you to the ultimate brink. And just as a, as they're about to kind of like threaten to shoot you, they go, okay, we're not going to do it now. You don't have to do it. And which is what they're doing. Like they're kind of like that now. Yep. They, they've, they, they stopped the whole plan in Austria. They stopped, you know, in Canada to an extent, you know, the mandates are being dropped here in the yeah. left, right, and centre. They'll push you yeah. to the oh, so what that free will element suggests to me that this is working on a more metaphysical level. That is something to do with, you know, the soul and something to do with the soul journey, something to do with spirit and something to do with something beyond just the physical. Would, do you think that's the case? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I I feel like that's part of the ritual for sure. That. Uh, and also along the lines of that, that, that it's not exacting, nor is it intended to be, that it's just like, you know, it's asymmetric in terms of like, you've heard that expression, asymmetric yeah, warfare. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. they don't care if they, they don't care if they, if they cut off your gonads, you know, chemically, they don't care if they kill you outright with a stroke or a heart attack, or they don't care if they kill you in four weeks with a cancer. They don't care if, you know, you wound your kids so that your kids are dependent upon your louche for as long as you can keep that limping dream alive with little support and, you know, ostracization and, and isolation from, from social structures because of, you know, just time consumed. I don't know if you've spoken to people that have, you know, challenged children, but it's just like, you know, that whole, I liken it to the concept of, uh, I think it was pretty much world war one when they were aware that the wounding of a soldier was more beneficial for an invading army. You than, than Absolutely. The deaths, right. That, like, that, that, you that's know, just, a personal experience for me. I've got uh, like, uh, two people within like half a mile of here, families, yeah. with injured yeah. children that led me it yeah. was one of the reasons why I went to looking for vaccine information Wild. so that was wow. that, that was what kind of led me into wow. it and, and then I've kind of worked out for myself that that's what they've been doing to the American public yeah. for yeah, a very yeah. long time so, because if for every yeah. one uh, dependent human you need another one looking after them so you take yeah. like, like you just said with like a wounded soldier you take one out of society a they can't produce be productive and be somebody else has to look after them and see somebody else has to help pay for that shit. 
So that's yeah, how they're, that's they're, how they undermine. They can't get the guns out of the hands of the Americans. So the the eroding sure. the American kind of family, the eroding the American way of life, the crushing everything that it is to be you know that those glory days of kind of like 1950s american when things were going really yeah. well food was yeah. good nothing was poisoned yeah. people were strong were yeah the cars were amazing they were respected around the world you know jfk kind of like in power a bit after that and you know like they were really were like the the the, the golden age it was like the new atlantis yeah, yeah you know before the claws of the dark overlords got like really stuck in deep and they took over. There was a good, there was a, you know, for me, I think there was a moment when everybody really did love America, even like the Arabs, yeah. you know, they loved them and no one had any reason not to love them. And and, yeah. they, and it's that slow erosion of all of that, that, those healthy, strong, big American people are being kind of like taken down from the inside. And part of that is, totally. by, is by not only the food Collapse. industry. Yeah, it's where the pharmaceutical sure. industry is a major sure. player in that major. game. Yes, 100%. And uh, when I even think of like the ascendancy that you're talking about, for me, that would have been collapsing sort of by the by the, the peak acid rain of the 70s, and then into the 80s, where you know, you're getting the, the sort of um, uh, social movements against pollution, for example, and, uh, you know, poisoned water supplies and the Great Lakes dying and being dead and you know full of arsenic and and uh, leakage from nuclear plants creating dead zones that moss doesn't even grow on the rocks in and just like the death of north america essentially is like something that's really real in my mind tony because if you know you remember i like grew up in canada and we would often cross the border for particularly holidays to go down to the states and it was just a very you know you felt different if you were going to put your face into a stream and try and take a, a a cup of you know fresh water you just like have that momentary like oh boy and then you know you didn't have to look very far in any direction before you could see like an effluent tap you know tank coming out of a wall somewhere a concrete abutment just you know spilling the local hospital effluent into wherever the hell you were and it's just like where you just realized it was sort of like that a dystopic cartoon like just like oh wow like this is as bad as a pond can get you know all that you see are dead frogs upside down and you know fish in pools and corners up you see their bellies and you know kind of you know i've seen that let's not like even a documentary that's just like a a random kid from canada seen like a you know a lot of dead wildlife in the states from things like that bioaccumulation of, of poisons and toxins so you know you just realized when you kind of not that i you know, I'm a huge zealot for Canada and certainly the direction it's gone in. And, you know, by many ways, we're we're beneficiaries of good fortune in terms of like low population and large land mass. But it was a very noticeable thing when you went down to the States. It was just like, holy, holy smokes, like, oh, yeah, they don't have this isn't crown land that like that that paint factory owns this creek and you're just like oh my goodness this has been like pumping lead into this place for forever and and you know that's uh, why I even like mentioned earlier that they don't have any organic soil there's not any like it doesn't exist there uh, you know there anything that you see that's written as organic is just like it's organic as they could get it with the with the local crops blowing you know various poisons particularly glyphosate glyphosate onto um adjacent fields and you know these are these are you know things that 
particularly they know affect your um your it's just like america is just unfortunately being a known basket case for you know for decades before i was even like a young man i was aware of that and then if you look at like do you think it's too far gone now do you think do you feel you know the funny thing is talking about glyphosate i saw in in a garden center the other day i saw the roundup on the shelves again as i put yes it's wild they still sell it here tim they do it's crazy but i saw it everywhere i saw it on the shelves but they had a glyphosate free version now Okay, okay, thank goodness. Alongside the normal, yeah, it's probably full of some other heinous fucking, uh, like yeah, something yeah, they've yeah. discovered on Mars, sure. which kills every every living orgasm in the galaxy just by looking at it. But there, yeah, there was, so obviously there's some, you know, all that fighting against Bayer and Monsanto, all of those protests, all of all of the environmental groups fighting in Europe and in the USA, maybe yeah. it's having an impact, so... What, what do you think? Do you think, are you optimistic about North America, America in general? Or do you think it's the the end of the empire is coming? I think I think it's probably going to um, you know implode and then partition. Unfortunately, it's probably going to go the way of prophecy and break into. Um, if you if you followed any of the um, Latter Day Saints prophecy, it, I, I think it's probably going to you know, break down somewhere similarly to that in terms of, especially there's parallels with the, if you're uh, familiar, familiar with the um, Jade Helm exercise in, uh, in the States that I think was 2015 or 2016, where basically they're, you know, they're training to defend the spine of the Rocky mountains with Colorado being the sort of safe space for the president at the time, at that time was Obama and they were looking, um, to uh to have like an uh, escape plan that basically has like the uh the power being somewhere in the in the mountains of the rockies in colorado and then they and what was the scenario basic... there what was the scenario that they've been invaded uh, by china the, or, or the invasion that it... it's basically post collapse of of uh of the north american you know defensive theater so if the if the borders are ever breached they'll retreat and retire to um to like the spine of the Rocky Mountains. And I think they started with about maybe 10 states that were going to be the, I think as they call it, the Latid, uh, uh, um, I'm thinking of uh, border being, but is it litigious? I think it's litigious border of, uh, of the United States in terms of like um, where they would have a, a new perimeter that they would bother to defend with potential that some, because of the deep tunnel structures of the East coast of the States might have some like satellite outposts that they would also uh, defend. But the sense is being that the U S military, or at that point, their presumption would be that there would be insurrection. Funny that you would mention the Rubicon because, you know, within the ranks, there's expectation that there will be, um, you know, defecting troops. So you'll essentially have a civil war that the uh, that the 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 reigning federal government would retreat to the spine of the Rocky Mountains and then defend America as existing only there. And that's that's what the you know the Jade Helm exercise basically. Um, so what do you, uh, what do you what do you see happening? Do you see like Texas declaring independence in the next like ten years or like? Uh, Florida, type, of, you know? type of thing 
yeah, certainly to certainly to their more Texas was was part of the Jade Helm exercise, and um, and that's you know uh, sort of the lower end of the. Funnily enough, it follows grizzly country, so you know wherever wherever grizzlies live in America, all the way you know down from Alaska, that's the expectation of of the um, of the remaining sort of uh, um, loyal loyal region, and that includes actually. Uh, the Rockies continuing up through Canada, and and they're also looking at like large scale. Um, uh, they're looking actually at at moving a waterway from the north of Canada down into a large catchment like a basin that I think spans Washington State and British Columbia. So the idea that they're they're wanting to get and have done for quite some time have been looking in to getting a southern. Um, movement of uh of of irrigation as if you're not aware um that they've been starved certainly like sort of in the the southern u.s mexico border region the base of the colorado river the the bottom of the grand canyon has been essentially in drought for like decades and they've been looking for a way to artificially irrigate to have a better more reliable source of um of uh, irrigation water and they think that they can do that from like the north of of canada to bring like a canal down um adjacent to the rocky mountains and and create a huge reservoir there so these are like these are like china five-year type of plans but that's you know when when you hear biden's rhetoric you don't think that they're beyond that and and we're also you and i both know and certainly like-minded people know that's where they're moving us towards you know the famous words of Kissinger that like once they'll take an injection they're just like there's nothing they won't do you know what's the the sky's the limit well now there's too many people on the earth so we have to like some of you have to be called so you know step off that cliff step into the big Wendy's hole you know there uh, <laughs> what's the, the experience that um, or the example that Kissinger uses is the uh, um, the volunteering of um, of uh, of organs donation, you know the sort of like once you're once you're requiring medical experimentation of people as part of the like greater good, there's no ethical end to that, and um, you know the that sort of I can see that dystopian world, Tony, as being the the sort of end game, especially as things go like you know we're all sort of I, I think that there's uh, an arrogance to think and it's not a challenge to you, but I feel that I've got it. If I just like even leaf through what I can find regarding particularly NATO's uh, blustery stance and particularly from like the point of view of somebody as senile and incapable as Biden, whether or not he's a bot or, you know, one of three or who knows what's going on there. But regardless, as a, as a world leader in a time of crisis, I think that we're all experiencing some amount of, of of denial and tra- and denial because of trauma because if we delve at all 
even peripherally into his behavior and his approach to like a global conflagration in terms of like the war rhetoric and what actual modern warfare with the capability particularly of hypersonic missile technology that exists right now that we're very much like we you know our nuclear clock has gone way past midnight it snapped off the the, you know the arms and is now spinning out of control like uh, like a uh, a downing helicopter you know we're like the cuban missile crisis we had jfk and you had other 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 men totally. you, other men statesman. who made you could see sense statesman. yeah we yeah we had statesmen totally. but what the who do we have totally. now we have lunatic neocons or whatever you want to call them totally and and you know so we have to we have to we have to really hope and fingers and toes crossed of, of millions of people to try and manifest some other people in that system to outweigh them, like outnumber them, because they, it does seem like they're vying for total destruction of the... You know, possibly it's this, Craig, that, you know, they didn't get their way completely with COVID. It didn't kind of manifest how they wanted it to. They didn't get to the point they wanted to. So they'd rather just destroy loads major parts of the world to get to where they want to get to so yeah. they're, they're they're willing to use a few nukes they're willing to go to a certain totally you know they're willing they're willing to because they've got underground cities they've got ways of avoiding it themselves they can live wonderful lives away from the surface of the earth um and even in remote places on the surface of the earth, where, they, where, they, where they won't be as affected as the, the, New, the Zealand, normal Joe. Yeah, New Zealand, Canada, parts of Canada come to mind. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So they, they can get away they can get away with it and still have a good life but and, and still fulfil their kind of crazed plan. But are you optimistic for the future of humanity, the world? Hope you enjoyed part one of my interview there with Mr. Craig Campbell, globe trotting, storytelling, funny man extraordinaire, all the way from Canada living here in the United Kingdom. We are privileged to have him and privileged to have people like that in the human race to help keep us buoyant, awake and on the path to enlightenment. We can't all be asleep. Some of us have to kind of push forward, you know, whether we're right or wrong. But it's good to have those alternative opinions, especially in the comedy world where so many people seem subjugated, subdued and conforming to a narrative that isn't really, in my opinion, the best for the human race. So great to see people like him, high-profile comics, speaking out, telling the truth, saying exactly what they feel. And that's what you should do as a human being, because when you leave this planet, you're going to take two things with you. A two-suitcase kind of a check-in at the old check-in desk there, uh, 23 kilos each. One containing the good things and one containing the bad things. And you don't want to be lying on your deathbed thinking, if only I didn't sell out for the entirety of my life just to get a slightly better, bigger, shinier car, I wouldn't be so miserable at this 11th hour. And maybe then when you shuffle off your mortal coil, you'll be really pissed off with what might happen next. You might have to come back and do it all again, that particular rerun. And no one likes to be in that kind of Groundhog Day situation for too many lifetimes i know i've been a naughty boy i've remembered some of it but um it's good to have craig campbell as a guest and it's good to have him as a human being and great to have him as a friend so tune in to part two of my interview with him when craig continues to fill our minds full of interesting stories facts and thoughts so uh, stay tuned for that and this is the galactic zoo radio show and podcast with your host tony Morezi broadcasting from the centre of the known universe. Yes, here, North London, Tottenham. Hope you're well and happy Easter. To Galactic Zoo.
Galactic Zoo. To Galactic Zoo. To Galactic Zoo.